Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Well, stay standing for a second. Don't you love our King? Oh, Jesus. We just, you know, this worship was so profound. I love what Pastor Tim said. You may have lost a few pounds in that worship there. Um, but why don't we just one more time tell him we love you, Jesus. Come on. Come on, just tell him we love you, great King. We're all about you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, great King. We love you, Jesus. 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 Yeshua, Jesus, God of the universe. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Jesus, adore Him, Christ the Lord. adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. Lift your voice. Oh, come, let us adore in Christ. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. time. Oh, come, let us adore. We adore you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, great King. Praise your name.
we love you. I can hear the Lord saying that he's in the room tonight to awaken your heart. And I can feel the Spirit of God. And I will give you all my worship. I long to worship you alone, are worthy, and I will give you all my worth. Yes, we will, Lord. I will give all of our lives, all areas of our life, you alone. I long to worship you alone, are worthy. Lift your voice. And I will give you all my worship. I Just continue to look at the Lord. We're going to worship just a little, a little more. You know, a little more. There's never any such thing as a little more. Because it's going to be forever. <laughs> it's forever a little more. It's forever. <laughs> but the Spirit of God just said to me, just before that song that we were singing there. He said, every person with mental illness, put their hand up. Depression, anxiety, spirits of fear in their life any form of mental illness. See, the Lord is a kind king. And as we worship him, he promised to inhabit the praise of his people. And when God inhabits praise, it means freedom is the result. Freedom is the result. If you have depression, you've been struggling with anxiety, suicidal thoughts, anything around these areas, I want you to place your hand up. Place your hand high. Remember, there's no shame. I was delivered of a demonic spirit that was a spirit actually of depression. Spirit of fear. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for these people. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to worship the Lord while we pray. We're going to sing that we will give Him all our worship over their mind, over their life. And I want to tell you something. If you are in this room and you've been oppressed by an evil spirit... The Lord Jesus does not have that for you. He wore a crown of thorns so you could have a sound mind. That's why he wore those thorns. He wore that because peace in your thoughts is actually your inheritance. That's what he wants to give to you. All you need to do is receive. And all you really need to do in that posture of receiving is this. If there's something oppressing you, if there's been a demon around you, if you felt constant tension like you're just going to explode, that's a spirit oppressing you. The Lord can take that out of your life within minutes. And He will. And all we're going to do is pray and worship the Lord as He delivers you. 
But if it's connected to grief or something that comes up in your mind as, you're, as we're worshiping God, just say, Father, I give this to you finally today. This is the day that I separate my identity from this trauma, from this spirit, from this depression. Okay, guys, you know what to do. If you see them with their hands up, just put your hand on their side, on their back, maybe even the back of their neck, somewhere around near their head. Every person with a hand up, we want to make sure somebody is with them. Keep your hands up until someone's with you. Thank you, Jesus. I can't see much out there. I can see these lights here. But, um, maybe if the house lights can be slightly turned up, just a tiny bit. Thank you, Jesus. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. Keep your hand up until someone comes. Make sure that everybody has someone around them. All right, now let's just sing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let's just sing to the Lord together and adore the Lord and ask the Lord Jesus to do miracles by his authority, by his very nature. Let's just worship the Lord in this room and thank God for their deliverance. Oh, come, let us adore Yes, we release breakthrough right now. Oh, come, let us adore Him, cry the Lord. Oh, come, let us, oh, come, let us adore Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the crown of your thorns, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, come out of her life in the authority of Jesus' name. Yes, keep worshiping our King. Christ the Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Cry the Lord. Now I want you to put your hand on their mind and command every spirit, every tormenting oppression to get out of their life now in the authority of the name of Jesus. Not tomorrow. Some of you might just want to put your hand over their head and lift that band that's been over their mind for many, many months, many years. Lift that band off and command it to leave in the authority of Jesus' name. We command every spirit of oppression, depression, fear, anxiety, trauma, get off their life. Get out of their life in the name of Jesus. We declare tonight there is a breakthrough and tonight there is a change. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's too joyful of a night to not have a breakthrough for those needing joy. Come on, declare it again. Use your authority that Jesus gave you. Get off their mind. Anything attached to their thought life, we command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Just pray 10 more seconds. Just say, we thank you. We release that crown of thorns. What you did on the cross, Jesus, was more than enough.
Okay, just stay with them for a second. Now, if you're being prayed for and you specifically feel it's a demonic spirit, I want you to put your hand up. If you specifically feel in your life, if you're being prayed for, you've had a demonic spirit oppressing your life. Okay, stay with them, but I want you to look at me just for a second. We're going to pray one more time. Usually what happens with someone like me who is struggling with mental illness, depression, and anxiety is I learned to live with this, and my soul became connected to this thing. So I had to say, Father, I want nothing to do with this. This is no, no longer me, even if it brought me self-pity, even if it brought attention to me, no longer am I going to live as a victim when you became the victim for me. And, and I had to sort of separate myself and say, I believe only your word. I take you at your word. So when we pray right now, if there's any spirit in your life, it's going to leave. It doesn't maybe leave. The Bible doesn't say that. I see people delivered of this all the time all around the world. But what I would like you to do is they pray one more time is just say, Father, if there's any attachment or any part of me that has kept itself with this spirit, today I break it. Just pray that with just you and the Lord right now. And those around you, you know what to do. Just command that to leave their life in the authority of Jesus' name. Command that spirit to get out. And the whole, all, the whole church, we can pray and take authority over these things. We command every spirit that has been in their life of depression, every spirit of fear, every lying spirit that is tormenting them, we command you in the authority of the name of Jesus. Tonight, get out of their life now. Get out of her now. Come out of her life for good. Out of every crevice of her soul, out of every crevice of this man's life, we command all fear. Be gone from him in the authority of Jesus' name. Leave right now. Sometimes demons are stubborn. You just need to say, I give this to you, Jesus. I'm done with this. Praise God. Come on, deliverance is so good. It's so good. It's so joyful. Thank you, Jesus. In the authority of the name of Jesus, every demon spirit that is hidden in these people's lives, oppressing them, we command you to leave once and for all. Come on, church, keep praying. Be stubborn with it. That's what they're like. Be stubborn. Just command it to get out. This has no authority over God's people. Be stubborn, guys. Let's press in. In the authority of Jesus' name, we command that demon to leave. And if it begins to manifest, just command it to get out quickly. So you have no right to stay here. Just command it to leave quickly. It's a wonderful thing. Praise you, great King. Thank you, Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. Some they'll manifest. Some would just cling on demons. You know, they were just around you, around your mind for years or months. They were just cling-ons, and they go silently because they're not in you. Others, it was attached to your life, attached to your soul, and it will leave Thank you, Lord. Let's pray just one more time, guys. Just pray over them. In the name of Jesus, we command this spirit and every form of the enemy's lies, control, depression, manipulation, in the authority of Jesus' name, get out of every believer here. And Father, we ask you to restore sevenfold with your justice. Restore sevenfold to them with your justice, God. Let these be the ones who receive sevenfold. With the justice of God, thank you, great King. Praise you, great King. Thank you, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. All right. Most of them are being delivered. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to stay standing. If that was you, we prayed for. 
and I want all of us to go as silent as we can go. Everybody go silent. I want those people we prayed for, close their eyes for a second, because generally, when somebody is being tormented, there's a, like a constant stream of traffic in their thoughts, a constant stream of lies. I want you to go as quiet as you can, church, just for a second, and those who are prayed for, just go quiet in your mind, just for 10 seconds, and see if you can tell there has already been a deliverance. You ready? Okay, let's listen for a second. That's our brother who we prayed for over there. I think he's delivered. I think he knows he's delivered. <laughs> okay. If you were prayed for and you sense there's been a difference, put your hand as high as you can, both hands. Wave them up. Turn around. Look at that. Guys, look at how many people Jesus just delivered. Praise you, great king. Praise you, great king. Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Now, I want to ask, because I want to give the Lord appropriate glory. He didn't, he, they didn't push thorns into his brow for me to just clap. It's for me to give him all the glory. Now listen, this guy, you knew straight away. I saw you walk off, you were laughing. Why were you laughing? It's gone. It's gone. He said there was an oppression around his mind. Come on, guys. Give the King of Kings all the glory. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise him. Wonderful. I just want to do it one more time. I just want to see, because it, sorry about the lights. I just want to see every person. If you're sure that when we stop silently, that there has been a change, or you sense there was a breakthrough immediately, I want you to wave both hands, if you can, in the air as high as you can, just so I can see. Guys, that is crazy. That is a lot of people set free. That's amazing, Jesus. Hallelujah, come on. Bless the King of glory. We bless you, great King. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> well, for those of you who've just been set free, <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be a joyful week for you. It's gonna be a very, very joyful moment. Um, you may be seated. Tell someone you love them. Tell them they look like Jesus. Uh, I just want to share something with you regarding that very subject right there. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm so good. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God so good? Some little oppressive demon hanging out with someone for years, gone like that. Isn't God so good? You know, in, in the world, if you knew how much this meant to me, my father committed suicide because he, was, he had a disease called paranoid schizophrenia. But he went to Africa he came back a different man. My mother found out years later that my father was cursed by a witch doctor. Now, someone said this, I think, earlier. They said, a curse cannot alight where there is no place for it. But my father, actually, I say this honorably about him, but he was riddled with fear. I mean that honorably. I don't want to put him down and say, because we all battle things. So I want to honor him, because I know that it's just the right thing to do. But 
he did have fear. He had this open door where he always believed, you know, that something would happen. My mum told me that he used to pick us up as kids when we'd go near the pool or something, you know, and he'd be very worried, always watching us with worry. There was part of him that probably anticipated that something bad may happen one day. So I, I found at 10 years of age, I walked into my father's bedroom and I found him dead. He committed suicide and uh, took 70 sleeping tablets and he was oppressed by a de demonic spirit. And so from that point on in my life, I was oppressed. I, wasn't I touched him and I don't know what happened exactly, but I just was different after that time in my life. And I became very angry. I became very aggressive and very... Like, I just didn't love people anymore. I, I wasn't open. I was very closed. Uh, and so, for me, seeing that kind of a breakthrough, you know, I struggled. I ended up struggling with the same kind of things as my father. And for me, seeing that kind of a breakthrough, it just, you have no idea what it means to me. Because I remember what it felt like when you have no control over the traffic in your mind. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. That's why it's called a tormenting spirit because it is torment. And the authority of Jesus is, is wonderful because, as you know, the, the Greek word sozo or soterio, for the fullness of salvation, means to be saved, healed, and delivered from torment. And that's why those thorns are on his head. And as we were in worship, as I just got up here at the front, and as we were just worshiping, I didn't know that that's what he wanted to do, but I sensed the Lord walking on the left side of the building over here just, before, just about 15 minutes ago. I sensed him here, and I could sense him with that kind of justice to go after mental illness, that kind of love that, that he has that Jeremy Riddle wrote about called furious love, and, uh, and I can still feel that in the atmosphere, and then after we just begin to pray for you folks who are maybe attacked by those things in life or maybe something traumatic happened, that I don't know the backstory, but the Lord, he's very, very good at rewriting those stories. Uh, but for those who are oppressed by those things, at the very end of that, when we were just praying and waving hands, for those who sense there's been a tangible difference immediately, and for those of you who haven't received that yet, we're going to still go after it. But the Lord spoke into my heart, and please correct me if you live in Austin and you know that this is not true, um, what I'm about to say, but I believe I heard the Lord's voice, and I believe I hear God. I heard the Lord say at the end of the people testifying, He said, this is the beginning for this church, and I believe for many others, of the defeat of people who are tormented with mental illness because, and this is what he said, because it's in this city. And you can tell me whether that's wrong. I have no idea. I've never looked up whether there's any statistic. I've never looked at anything. So I don't know. But he said, because it's in this city, that there's a, a mental torment over people in the city. And if that's wrong, you can tell me, please. I, I, I don't stand behind my need for, to be right. I, I just sensed that really strongly. And so I want to prophesy that what you just saw is a seed. And, uh, and that there's more. So, yeah. I'm guessing because no one stood up and rebuked me, it's right. So I've had that before. I've had people stand up and correct me and I say, thank you so, so much. You know, I love bold people. Don't you love bold people? Oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy, have I met a few of them over the years. Well, Pastor Joaquin, Pastor Evans, it's so good to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, to be here at Bethel Austin. I actually flew from Bethel Reading, so I'm just, 
I'm treated. This, this service here, though, was uh, much hotter, much more, um, like Tim said, much more cardio. And it's good for me, you know. Some of you skinny jeans kids don't need it. I see some of these people on the worship team, I'm like, they don't need it, you know. But listen, you got Jesus, they're so skinny, these kids. Often the worship team is a skinny. It's like they just play music they never eat. I don't know what happens, but they, they're so skinny, you know. So, and all of us are here trying to dance, you know, you know Jesus aerobics in the, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. But you skinny jeans kids, you got Jesus living in a little tent. I have him in a mansion. I got him in a big tent right here. He's comfortable in me. <laughs> so, uh, I used to say to people, I say, you know, some people, some, I, I meet the boldest people around the world. Some people come up to me and say, Ben, I have a word for you. You look fatter than you used to look. I'm like, that's not a word. That's not a, that's not a word from the Lord. My mirror tells me the same word every day. It's not a word from God. I've honestly had people tell me that. I just want to give you a word of warning. You need to lose weight. I'm, thank you so much. I want to give you a word of warning. It comes from Proverbs chapter two. It says the tongue of the just. You need to control your tongue sometimes and, and look over your tongue. But, but listen, I used to pray this funny prayer. God, you know, I used to say it as a joke. I'd say, God, you destroy the Amorites. You can destroy the cellulites. Amen. You can kill them, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. But my metabolism has not gotten faster yet. So maybe at the end of tonight's service, we, after we lay hands on a few people and pray, some of you skinny jeans kids that can eat five turkeys in a day can come and lay hands on me. All right. <laughs> Would you open your Bibles, please? Um, to the book of Mark, we're going to talk about a few things tonight. Um, I roughly know when we need to end. I'm always going to be looking to my beautiful friend, Pastor Joaquin, and Pastors Renee, and the rest of them. So, but um, there's no time limit. I know the kids get out, I think I heard at 8.30. Is that right? 8.30, yeah. Yeah, 8.30. Who here is in love with the Lord? So good. All right, keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. I'm going to ask you another question. Who here wants to love what the Lord loves? That's a good, see those two, keep them up. Those two, those hands are called surrender. That's where someone sticks a gun and says, you ready to die? I'm going to share some strong truths with you tonight, but I'm not sharing it with you. There's no personal judgment. There's no personal thing. It's just, I just felt a word from God that, that he would stir some of you up towards something that is so precious to the heart of the Lord. Um, did I tell you Mark? I did Mark chapter 12. I want to highlight two women for a second here in the Bible that actually are um, two of the craziest women I can see in the Scriptures. They're very convicting women. These women are, I would say this, these women are people who have no other husband except Jesus. And they love what He loves and, and they're willing to give. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat opposite the treasury... <laughs> That's, this is just weird to begin with. He's sitting there watching the offering bucket. And he saw how many people put money into the treasury. How many of you would love Jesus just to sit next to you and watch how much you give? <laughs> it's, that would be, I don't know about you, I would love just anything with Jesus. I'm like, you can watch. I know I'd be giving a lot more if I knew he was watching. <laughs> but he was just sitting there watching and his disciples were evidently with him. And it says this, he saw how much money was put into the treasury and how many who were rich put in much. The wealthy ones, big gifts, they put in a lot of money. Then one poor widow, a person who has no husband, not just a poor woman, a poor widow, 
a person who has no other provider. She has nobody in her life. In fact, she's not only poor, in some senses, she's relationally poor. Because she doesn't have anybody to share this poverty with. It's just her. She walks up the same little road with Jesus sitting there, watching these big $50,000 gifts. and I'm sure they're all great. And it says this, it says, she throws in two mites, verse 42, which make up a quadrants. Two mites, it's a tiny amount of money. So he called his disciples to himself and said this, assuredly I say this, that this poor widow has put in more than all of those, not than one, than every single rich gift this poor widow has put in more than all those who gave to the treasury, for they put in out of their abundance, but she, out of the poverty, in all that she is, put in her whole livelihood. I love this woman because I'm extremely convicted by her. This woman's a widow, no husband, but she sees the giving to the Lord as the only option of her life. She has this little amount left, but it's much more in comparison to the measure that these wealthy people have, that they've given. They've walked away. They've pat themselves on the back. They've given so, so much to God. But she comes and she brings, like Jesus said, her whole livelihood. And he wanted to teach the disciples a lesson. He taught the disciples a lesson here that God doesn't just look at what you give. God looks at what you don't. God saw all these wealthy people giving out of their abundance. But Jesus was like, they only gave me what was convenient to them. This woman put her whole livelihood in. She had no other option. She has no husband. She has no other provider but God. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Jesus didn't condemn them, but he taught the, the disciples a lesson here. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at one more woman. And then I'm going to talk to you about a very, very deep subject that's very close to the heart of the Lord. You there? Yeah. Mark chapter 14. Let's start at verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table, a woman having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. I want to tell you something before we read this. You know what the oil of spikenard is? Not only does it cost a lot, parents in the, the Jewish culture, would say to their daughter, you know what we're going to do? We're going to save up a lot of our money, and we're going to place, because of your marriage and your inheritance, into the alabaster box, the most costly oil for your wedding. The alabaster box wasn't a box she had there that she used to spray on her every day. The alabaster box in the Jewish culture was saved for the marriage bed. It was saved for the marriage covenant. Whoever she marries, the alabaster box becomes that for the family. And they break, they pour the ointment, the, the ointment on the person when they covet the marriage. And they keep it. And it's worth a lot of money. Some people say that one alabaster box with costly oil is worth a year's wages. It's a lot. So this woman walks into this room. The second woman. She doesn't think about the husband she's going to get. She doesn't think about the alabaster jar. It's been there for many, many years. It's been in her family. Someone brought it for her. It's obviously not hers. She's had this for a long, long time. And it says she goes up to Jesus and sees him in there, and he's with all his friends, and he's with all these, these Pharisee people, these wealthy people, tax collectors. They think they know who this woman is. But Jesus looks at the heart. And it says this in verse 3, at the end of verse 3. 
Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Can you imagine this? These people are like, this thing's worth 30 grand. This woman comes in. She's obviously not a holy woman. She's probably had a background. Actually, many people believe that this is the Mary, the same one uh, whose brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. Luke chapter 10, she sits at his feet and receives. She becomes one of the most devoted disciples. But when she first meets Jesus, they call her Mary the prostitute. She's dirty. She's a darkened woman in terms of her sin, in terms of all the things she's done wrong. But when she meets this person who is greater than any husband she could have ever met, This thing she'd kept secret. Can you imagine a prostitute being so bound in sin, lust, concerned with the ways of the world, trying to get out of this trap of just being used by men and and used by money? But she has this little gift that one day maybe some man will come along who values me more than my body and I'll give him my alabaster flask. Well, she met him. (laughs) And you've met him. Regardless of your past, regardless of where where you came from, you met that same Jesus who didn't look at your past. He looked at all that your life could have been, might have been, all the destruction, all the things, and he said, you know what? I'm the husband you've been waiting for. I'm the one who's come to rescue you. And she knew that about Jesus. And she broke it open. These people were jealous. All of a sudden, the fragrance of this alabaster begin to fill the whole room. But I love this verse. And you know, every, the whole room now, you can imagine it, they're angry, but it's like, but, it's, but I'm angry, but it smells amazing, but I'm angry. You know, it just smells so beautiful. And you can see Jesus just sitting there receiving this and it's running down his head and he doesn't turn around and say, how dare you wet my hair? He just allows this oil. Can you just picture him to drip off his beautiful long hair and his face down his beautiful beard, down the beard of Jesus. And he just looks up at this woman weeping, tears in her eyes, probably shaking because she's just broken the box over the Messiah and King of the universe. She's broken it. I love the fact that she didn't pour, take the lid off, pour some, and then leave some for herself. She understood that when you give your life to Jesus, you give everything. She broke it so it could never be used for any other purpose but to love him. Verse 4 says, they're indignant, these people next to him. They're saying among themselves, why was this fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. They criticized her sharply, but Jesus said, let her alone. (laughs) Do not trouble her, for she has done a good work for me. For you always have the poor with you. Whenever you wish, you may do to them good, but me you do not always have. She has done what she could, and she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be repeated in remembrance of her. Jesus gets covered in this fragrance of this woman. She breaks open everything for him. Obviously, there's an immediate transfer of mercy over her. In fact, not only mercy, but Jesus decides to come to her defense. Those who love Jesus never need to worry about what others think of them. I could care less about what mankind thinks of me. Even if I say something wrong and make a mistake, as long as I keep loving God, if my conscience is innocent before God, it, matters, it doesn't matter if the Pope hates my guts. It means absolutely nothing. If I know my conscience is right and my, my alabaster box is truly broken. But sometimes these two women gave all, but sometimes we give parts of the box 
We give parts of our treasure to God and say, God, here's my great offering. And, and we put measurements on it based on how much it was or, or the hour that I spent with God. And all these things are fantastic. And the Lord sees every gift of faithfulness. I'm not downplaying that. Jesus certainly didn't say that those gifts weren't gifts. He still called them gifts. But he said they gave out of their abundance. They gave out of a place of convenience and she just smashed it open. She just smashed it open. She said, God, here's my whole life. There's no plan B for me. I've burned the bridges to my past. I, I have nobody else to marry. It's you. You are my husband. And a Christian <clears throat> that lives the same way, that loves to pour their love onto Jesus, will eventually become so one with him. And even if the offering is painful, they end up leaving with him defending them, making a path for them, and they smell the same way the rabbi smells. They're fragrant people, and they love him, and they love what he loves. I want to propose to you tonight that so many of you already love God. You're in love with Jesus. I can feel it in here. I, I, you make me want to love him more. When we were worshiping, I'm like, yes, Jesus. You know, what a beautiful old hymn we were singing there. How pure, how innocent, how precious the blood, the lamb that was slain for our lives. But sometimes I find in my walk with God, I give to God what I know is faithful and convenient, and, and I've done it before. I know the road to, to step up to the temple where the treasury is. I know how to go there. And I know how to maybe even stretch it where I give maybe another 5%. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about maybe my time. Maybe the Lord will keep me to, to, in my room to worship. And he'll say, just stay here. And I know I have something to go to with friends. Maybe it's to go to Top Golf or a movie or some other thing like that. And the Spirit of the Lord will be wooing me toward what he wants. Toward me becoming his husband. He, him being my husband, sorry. Me becoming his bride. To me being actually in love to the place of where my will is his. Where I've broken the options over my Messiah's head. And in my life, I've noticed these patterns of where I'll, I'll get really good and, and I'll sort of just be on fire and, and be willing to obey. And, and then this, I'll sort of settle in this level of development. I'll just level off here. And, and, and as I level off, I just find that, yes, I love him. And, and yes, I'm worshiping him. And yes, it's good. But I feel like there's this hunger inside me that, that longs to give, like the woman, more than everybody else. Not to compete, but just to give actually all and entrust all to him. And I feel that sometimes there's this voice of, that actually supports a thing called faithfulness that kills my faith. Because I can stack the chair like I did last week. I can worship the same way I did last week. I can, I can learn a pattern and a way of life where I, I know how to get to the treasury, but I don't know how to get there and have no other option and give everything. And these two women were very convicting to me because they had nothing in the sense of status, life. They, they, they had, they, everything was taken from them or sin took everything from them. And they found that there was only one option to have true fulfillment. And there's only one person that really deserves it all. And it's Jesus. But my subject, interestingly, is not intimacy. My subject is an area where we give God a lot in one place, but there's another place that we greatly avoid. And I want to tell you truthfully that this place is a place of true reverence to God. And it's not like a, a harsh thing, a hard thing. 
but it is necessary. And I'll tell you what place it is. It's found in the book of Luke, in the book of Deuteronomy, Exodus. It's found in Psalms. It's the command to love the Lord God with all your heart, which we want to do, which we're trying to do more. But there's this other part of the command that is the other side of God's heart that is so greatly neglected in the Western church. And it's to love our neighbor as ourselves. I I live in Germany. One of my beautiful German employees is here tonight. She flew all the way from Germany to be with you. And you heard Pastor Joaquin say what we talked about with, with the awakening. Texas, awaken this country, America. Awaken Austin. Fill, fill this city, not just a stadium, but this city with Jesus. And, and, and that's burning in our heart. And we're going to talk more about that in the future. But really, when I came in last night, I was sort of praying and just meditating and talking to God. And, and I felt like he, 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 brought up, he, he brought to my attention these women. And these women, were, were love, they loved him enough to give something that was so costly that was a step beyond convenience. But they came out fragrant because of it. They came out with the Lord Jesus behind them, entrusting them, defending them behind them. And they came out with fruit. And I feel like there's an opportunity in America right now, even in the midst of the greatest tumultuous things that are happening with all the coronavirus, all the things that are happening with all the the stuff in government. There's an opportunity for us to bring Jesus to people that is unparalleled from the last 10 years on. It's just different. But the Barna Institute have done studies, and I applaud outreach. I heard Tim say they do outreach. I applaud it all. I'm not saying to you, you're not, you're not doing a good job. But I will say this. The Barna Institute has done studies over the recent years about the American church, and they found out that 96% of people, Christians, have never led a single soul to Christ. Never. And if you look at the, the landscape of your own life, and, and we say, God, we love you, but yet when somebody, when, when this love, it's not, it's not a church love. It's not a, it's not a, I'll meet you at the treasury love. It's a, God, I've given my options away. I've broken my, my box. So you can, like Bill said, he, he said, I, I got a blank page and said, God, I sign my name at the bottom. You fill it in. Well, the person that fills it in is the, the union between you and the Holy Ghost. So when you're walking down the street and the Lord says, stop somebody, and you're walking toward them, and he says, stop that person, and your heart goes like that, you know, and, and you see them, and you go, which person? He goes, that person, and you go, that person, he goes, too late now, Lord. You know, we all do that. We all do that so many times, and it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because I've done it. We've all done it, you know, but the outcome of, of such, God, I already gave you a big offering on Sunday. You see what I'm saying? God, I, 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 did you see my tithe this Sunday, God? That doesn't justify the union between you and him and his voice. And these people that were sitting there, Pharisees, amazing men, so good, so holy, asking Jesus all these powerful questions in the house. A sinner comes in. A sinner comes in and shows them what it means to love Jesus more than any kind of level of convenience or shame or fear of human opinion. How many, of you, how many of you are worshipers? How many of you, keep your hand up if you're a true worshiper. You love to worship Jesus. <laughs> All right? Okay. Let me ask you a question. If you're a true worshiper, if you really look in your heart, if you're a true worshiper, why wouldn't you want other people to worship him? Evangelism, loving your neighbor as yourself is worship. 
Because you're bringing him to the feet of the one that has changed your life. And it's not always convenient, but it is true love. It's what a true lover does. But the enemy's sown some fun things in the church. He's sown some funny things. Things like this. Well, I'm an introvert. I would love to find that in here. I couldn't. All I found is in here is people get filled with God and God takes over. That's all I found. And if you'd like, and if the introverts, like, do you think Jesus was in heaven? What can we do with these extroverts? You know, Father, what shall we do? And the Father says, let's make the extroverts evangelists. Oh, Father, what a great idea. What shall we do with the introverts? Intercessors. No, that's not the Lord. It's not even about introvert, extrovert. It's not about evangelism even. It's about this. Do I love God? Do I love God? Is God associated with me where I'm safe with him? Or or am I actually giving myself fully to his kingdom? Uh, Have I stepped into another realm that has nothing to do with my personality? It has everything to do with what the God of the universe made me for before the foundation of the earth. And I sense in Austin, there is a great need I mean, last night I was on my bed weeping, thinking about what God has done, about the conviction. Listen, guys, when a man loses his conviction, he has nothing left to lose. Once you lost that, it's, something's dead, and, and, and faithfulness replaces faith. I don't know if you're getting that. <laughs> my God is living, your God is living. Your God is in a set of principles. The elevation of principle and even loving him through principle. This elevation of doing this overtakes the the union and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Try and have principle-based unity with your wife. See how that goes for you. And not only is it about intimacy, it's about what is in God's heart. And so that's what I want to look at. And, And I want to tell you something that I am shocked. I'm shocked at the utter hypocrisy that I see in my own world. That after a month or two, I can look back on the landscape of my world and go, for the last month or two, I hardly preached to people at all. I did tell someone about Jesus here at the coffee shop, etc. But God, there's been no stirring in my life, in my heart, toward the depravity, brevity and lostness of humanity. I don't think about hell. It's not been on my mind. Instagram has. And I'm crying out to God. I'm answering all because God, make me like William Booth, Evan Roberts. Make me like Heidi Baker. And within days, something inoculates that conviction. And you all know what I'm talking about. You all know exactly what I'm saying. See, this is not about evangelism. This is about the first command of God. He told Adam, didn't he? He said, be fruitful and multiply. It's so beautiful because Adam and Eve... They were fruitful and they multiplied. There was fruit. They had power, authority in the garden. They had life and they multiplied. In other words, Yahweh, Yeshua, in the spirit of God said, we must make ourselves into a greater family because this love we have with each other, this is why the triune being God is the greatest person in the universe. They said, this love we have for each other, we must have offspring with this love. The fruit of all intimacy is children. And many people would say, I love you, God. But they quieten their heart toward what God loves. Children. Offspring. People. 
the first commandment of Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue. I think we replenish. I think we've, we've got the fruits of the Spirit. And I think we even subdue the enemy at times. But we've failed as a church in many ways in the Western nations to multiply the gospel, to have more kids, to love people that don't know God, that are unlovable. But they're easier to love than you think. They're just like you were. You just have to remember that you weren't saved. (laughs) Do you remember those moments when you weren't saved? Paul said, I live with the present reality of both the death and the life of Jesus in me. Both. Do you know why? Because if he forgets the death, if he forgets what he was paid blood for, I'm not talking about with guilt, not with shame, but if if he forgets that, He'll think that Jesus and loving the people Jesus loves is an option. He'll get so comfortable in the Christian family that that he won't know what the world looks like anymore. He won't know what it feels like to bleed for somebody, to hurt for people. It's the greatest treasure, honestly. And constantly, like every three months, I, I go in this little check and I say, God, am I becoming too Sunday, you know, like Christianized? Am I becoming too Sundayized? Am I becoming too pulpit, pulpit happy? Am I, am I defining, I go with my mind before the Lord and I say, God, do I still love you enough to love who you love? Or do I find the definition of Christian success this thing? I can't define it that way. This comes and goes, but people are alive. In fact, people are dying. I have a few questions and I want to say a few statements. I have a question for you. Put your hand up if I gave you half a billion dollars, if you would give to me your salvation. What if I gave you a lifetime of Ferraris, condos in Florida, and I told you eventually I could even make you the president of the United States? Would you give me your salvation? Someone's discussing, maybe. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. He's like, a condo, that sounds pretty good down in Florida there. (laughs) I'm just messing around. I know you love God so much. That drummer loves the Lord. You can't drum like that and not love the Lord. (laughs) A drummer makes all sorts of bones in my body I've never felt in years come alive there. (laughs) But if I offered you and said, hey, I'm serious. Let's double it. Let's make it a billion. Raise your hand if you would give me your salvation. You know why you wouldn't? Because your salvation, your union with Jesus, you knowing God himself, is of absolute utmost importance to your life. I have a question for you. How then did it become one of the lowest factors of the people outside of this church and their salvation became such a low priority to us? If we wouldn't give it away for a billion dollars, how come we will barely stop people when God speaks? Because you know, it's, you know you're like, God, you saved me. But how selfish that would be for me if I just enjoyed my salvation. Could I truly say I knew the Lord? How can we truly know God and not be moved to the ones God loves? I don't understand it. And I see it in my own world. And I step back and I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I say, hey, Jesus, I'm getting too comfortable here. I'm putting in what I know. I'm putting out of my abundance again. Forgive me. Let me find my alabaster jar. Let me break it again. 
And I start to, to step into not an evangelist call, but a call to love people he loves. Because honestly, I have a mixed calling. I'm not just an evangelist, and that's okay. Some of you here aren't. Some of you are called to ballet dance for Jesus. Some of you, seriously, some of you are called to be billionaires. Some of you are called to own 15 hairdressing salons. I'll gladly visit you. You can fix my beard. It never works. You know, uh, some of you are called for other things. You're called to be governors, rulers, people in authority. I have no problem with that. I have that great apostolic mindset. I learn it from the house we're from. I learn it from Bethel. I learn it from the scriptures. But which one of you, place your hand up if you're called not to love your neighbor. Put your hand up if you can say, God has absolutely told me to lead nobody to Jesus. God has spoken to me that I will lead nobody to the Lord until a Philippines mission trip. <laughs> Open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'll finish soon because the kids get out soon. Joaquin, when's your birthday? June 25th. Remember that, guys. June 25th is not far away, and I'm going to have to remember it too. You hear that, Tara? Make sure that gets in my calendar. <laughs> June 25th. 1 Timothy, chapter 2. I want to read a statement to you, and I'm going to say something to you more, and, and we're going to pray. But I believe it's God's call to save Austin. I believe people are more ripe than you know. I even believe in the Austin statement to keep Austin weird. Because if you have a look at us tonight and how much we love God, we are super weird. I believe in it. Let's keep them weird. Let's make a whole bunch of people bananas for Jesus. I believe in it so much. But the Western church, by and large... Not every person, but the Western church by and large has neglected this. Yet the world, places like Austin, will spend $3.2 trillion a year on healthcare. The ambulance will fly past you in a flurry of conviction that that life needs to live. The ambulance will give. They'll be benevolent. They'll give discounts. They'll do what they can do to save. Every human in America has over $9,000 a year spent on them just for healthcare without you even knowing it's being spent on you just to keep you alive. Has the world put us to shame in the value of humanity? Could we say that the world has more of a care for human lives than we do? Listen, I'm not just an evangelist, as I said before. When Jeremy Riddle comes to our events and big stadiums, lots of people, when he goes, let's worship, people run to the front. Young, old, whatever, no shoes, shoes, they run to the front in the big stadiums and they're like this. Before the first chord is even struck, they're ready. They're anticipating to give God this offering. But imagine if he saw people down the front who just folded their arms. I'm not a worship leader. That's not my calling. We would say that's rebellious. But that's what we do all the time with the subject of loving the unsaved. We put it off into somebody else's arena. Because of that, in the last 30 years, the radical decline of the church in the West, unfortunately, has happened. But yet we're crying out, revival, revival. God send revival. And the Lord hears our prayers. The Lord loves our heart. He's, I'm not putting any shame. God puts no shade on anything that you do truly out of the Spirit of God. There's no condemnation. I'm not telling you to be an evangelist. But I am saying this to you. In the same way that you worship and in moments there's a sacrifice. 
the same heart that says, God, I love you, has the sacrificial, the ability sacrificially to say, Jesus loves you to someone who doesn't know God. Tara and I went and got a coffee today at a place that Tim recommended. Uh, what was that place called? Spokesman. And I figured that I needed to become a spokesman there for someone. And we went past, we had our coffee, we had a great chat, connecting again, I'm her boss, she's my employee, she's also my friend, but I wanted to run her through some things about life, we haven't seen each other in a few months, I've been here traveling, and, and anyway, we walked past this area, and it was behind one of these little, um, you know, like uh, caravans, but it's turned into a food truck, and it's great food trucks there, and we were headed to the car, I knew I have to meet with Joaquin, I want to meet with him, haven't seen him in a long time, I think over a year, and so I was keen to get to, to see Joaquin and Renee, and I know I'm on time, I have to be there, I'm on time, I'm leaving on time. And I walk past, and that same voice stopped that person that you all hear. You see, at that moment, I have an understanding of that I'm a pastor. I'm called to preach tonight. I need to see Joaquin. I have this understanding, but I have this other person who seems to confuse the understanding that I'm so great, greatly held to. And he's the person who understands the universe, that it's circling around his words. And he says this. I look at a guy. I flash him with his eyes like this quick. I'm not even exaggerating. It was like this. Yeah, yeah, Tara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at him. That quick. Turn. The Holy Spirit said, go back there. I went back in there and I met this young man. He's standing there. This beautiful man. Look at him. His name's Gabe. Standing behind the food trucks in the backside alley. I said, hey friend, I just want to tell you that Jesus cares about you and he loves you. And he's from Austin. He's from where it's weird. He's from the place where people are two of this mindset or two of that mindset. He's from a place where people seem resistant to God, even trying to make laws against God. But God isn't concerned with that. God doesn't see someone from Austin. He sees someone made in his image. And so I said, hey, bro. I said, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. I said, I really have nothing else to tell you. I said, my name is Ben. You know, we just had a quick chat. And he's like, okay. And him and his friends are just sitting there smoking a cigarette. And the other guy, you could see the other dude, he's like, you know, okay. And I said, listen, man, I said, I know this sounds strange. I'm not telling you to join a church. Jesus isn't a dead religion. But would you do something? Just search into the New Testament. Get a Bible, search the New Testament. He goes, bro, this is crazy you're telling me this. He goes, this is so crazy that you're telling me this. I'm like, okay. And he goes, my name's Gabe. And I said, is that like Gabriel in the Bible? And he goes, yes, my name's Gabriel. And, I, and he said, this is crazy. He said, another friend of mine in the last few weeks just started telling me Jesus is real. And, and he said this, and he said, and I started thinking, is Jesus real? And I said, bro, it's awesome. And I went and gave him a hug. I said, can I take a photo of you? You know, I'm not going to post that photo on Instagram. I don't need to boast. The only reason I want a photo is because tonight when I see him and next week when I scroll through my phone and see him, I'll pray again because God loves him. And it's a step beyond my convenience, but I can surely break that over Jesus' head because Jesus' mind is on him. And so I walked away from this young man. You can take the photo off now. Thank you so much. I walked away from this beautiful young man and I had the thought come into my mind as we stepped into the car and I realized I'm like, we're going to be a few minutes late. And amazingly, the Lord knew and Joaquin texts me as I'm getting into the car, I'm running late. You see, you see, if you just simply give yourself... You know what I thought? Here's my thought. My thought was this. What would have happened if I didn't stop? Think about what I'm saying to you. You know what he's doing right now probably, tonight? 
He's ringing his friend. You'll never believe this. What would have happened if I said, I'm a pastor on the way to a sermon? I'm, I have a meeting. I have this. I have that. God doesn't want me to cry out, send revival if I'm not willing to actually become revival. There's no point to me praying my prayers. I, I refuse now in my life to pray prayers of hypocrisy. I won't pray for somebody just to comfort them. Father, just I release healing if I don't actually believe that the healing is going to happen. Why am I praying? First Timothy 2.4, then I'm going to pray for you. Did I say Tim? Yeah, I did. No, did I say? Yeah, I think I did. Okay, good, good, good. Sorry, I can't remember what I said. I want Gabe, Gabriel to meet Jesus. And I'm sure that he will. We're going to pray for him again. 1 Timothy 2, 4. Joaquin's birthday is in June. Joaquin, what do you want for your birthday? What's one thing you'd like believing for? A trip with close friends. Probably a trip to an amazing place, rest, hang out with God, hunger, fire, food, something around those lines. He wants a trip with close friends. Let me show you why I'm asking. First Timothy, let's go chapter 2. Let's go verse 1. Therefore I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Say all men. For kings and for all who are in authority, the way we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior. You ready? Who desires all men to be saved. All. I want to contribute to Joaquin's gift. But if I meet him in the middle of June and say, Joaquin, I, 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 I love you, my brother, and I, I brought you a turtle. Happy birthday. It doesn't have an aquarium, but I just got you a baby turtle. Yeah, he's probably going to be happy, sort of. And then later he's going to be like, the kids have the turtle. But if I brought him and said, Joaquin, I just gave you a $3,000 all-expenses holiday. What have I done? I've given him his desires. I desire that none should perish. There is no way to fully and accurately love God without ministering to the side of his heart that desires for his every birthday and every day Gabriel's to be saved. It's not possible. And we can cry out here at this altar at the new church for 10 more years. And you know what will happen? We'll just level off in development, being happy with the statement. It's the same as encounters with God. Many people are happy with this book. They base it on just theology. They're like, I have my divine theology, therefore I don't need an encounter. I sometimes pray, God, send revival, use somebody, and therefore I don't need to be used. It's the fear of man in us. It's a fear of human opinion. It's placing someone who's headed to hell way above my thoughts, way above God's thoughts, saying the 10 seconds of their thoughts mean more to me than the billions that God has about my life. No personality, I'm 70% introvert. No personality can sit behind that. It's just simply a place where we're like, God, I've given my sacrifice. I've given all I want to give. Jesus said this. He said, you are the light of the world. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
Jesus said in Isaiah 58, this is the fast I've chosen. Loose people, get people, save people. Jesus says in the end of Psalms, he says, restore to me joy, with joy, God. David says, sorry, in the end of Psalm 51, restore unto me, Lord, the joy of thy salvation. And then he ends it with this. He says, for I am King David and I am a king, not an evangelist. No, he doesn't say that. He says this, when you restore to me my joy, when you show me your presence, God, then I will teach sinners your ways. And he says, and sinners will turn back to you. In Genesis 1, 27, when God created man, 27 and 28, when God made man, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. But before he did that, he said this, let the, let the earth produce trees. He said, let the waters produce fish after their kind. He said, let all the earth produce trees, foliage, grubs, all these things after its kind. But when he made man, he turned to Yeshua. He told the fish, see, make fish. He told the sea, see, make a whale. He told the ground, ground, produce trees, produce a mountain. But when he produced you, he said, Yeshua, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. A fish belongs in the water. A tree belongs in the ground. Mankind without God is absolutely only going to advertise their own hypocrisy, being like a goldfish outside of the goldfish bowl, completely empty until they meet God. Because God was made by man. Man was made by God. They, they, the goldfish bowl is the Lord. The earth produced the trees. The water produced the fish. And the church is in a place where it's actually killing its own fruitfulness and multiplication when we're waiting for somebody else to go out there and save our city and bring the people back into the water that made them. Your salvation is of the utmost importance to you and God gives it with no guilt. He loves you. He loves you. Even if you never lead a single soul to Christ, does he love you? One million percent. But how can we be a true worshiper and feel this love from him toward the world and then shut it off? I got to be honest with you guys and confess to you. I have shut that love off so many times. I've turned it off, even as an evangelist. <sighs> but we can't. Because this house is called, this particular house is called for, to have a great and very deep and very real gospel and real impact on this city and nation. It's not just called even for here. I believe out of this plant, there's going to be more plants. Out of this thing will come many missionaries, but not just missionaries to other places. We'll celebrate that too. That's just as celebrated by God because a human soul is a human soul. But it won't just be here. God's going to cause some of you to be so gripped by the lost, by the lostness of humanity, that you forget everything that you thought about lost people and you just start to let him take over. And I'll give you just one way that you can do that. You can start tonight by saying, God, I repent of lying to you. I repent because I did that. I said, God, I'm sorry. I told you that I'd, I'd stop people and now I don't. I told you God use me and then I shut you down when you want to. When you tell me to stop somebody, I don't do it. So I had to get myself into a rhythm of doing that. And in that rhythm, it began to break fear out of me. It began to break fear so hardcore, Joaquin, that God would even test the fear. Even recently, I was flying to Washington, D.C., where the capital is, and the Holy Spirit said to me, as the plane's landing, 
stand up and sing. You don't want that assignment, do you? <laughs> you don't want that? Have you heard my voice? He said, stand up and sing. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not singing. And then this old hymn dropped into my mind, old hymn, like the how great is our God, you know? And I'm shaking and trembling. I could have just, no, God, you're wiser than that, God. That's not a wise thing to do. <laughs> Couldn't shake it. Grab my bag, and I'm shaking inside. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. Nobody's there to hold my hand. No one's there on the outreach for me. I've gone a little long. I'm sorry for going long, but I feel it's important for you. And I'm going to pray. When a preacher says, I'll finish on this point, typically I've found them to be lying. <laughs> but I am going to pray for you. But I stood up and started singing with like this, hello, and everybody just looking at you like, what? And I started singing, you know, like, that, like an old hymn, how great, and, and literally... The first note cracked. I mean, it went like this. How great, like that. First note. It was terrible. Is our God, and I shut my eyes because I'm like, this is the worst thing in the world. Sing with me, and no one's singing with me. <laughs> and after about 12, 15 seconds, I opened my eyes. How great, and I saw two women, only two, started mouthing it. And then so I got a bit more bold and I sung more. And then about 10 people started singing it. And then half the plane singing it. The other half didn't know it because they weren't saved. But I, and I finished. How great is that? I got to finish like that just looking at them. And I didn't know what to do at all. So I just went, thank you. And, and the whole place, the whole plane, the whole plane started clapping for me. They started saying like this, like, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm like, get me out of here. I looked at the lady. I said, open the door. Open the door. Like, I, I pushed to the front. I was in business class. I pushed to the front. I was like, and I ran up that thing that goes the jet bridge, you know? I ran out of the jet bridge. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever had to do, I think, as a believer. But when I looked at those two women, I could see one of those women, Asian-looking woman, mouthing it, and I knew, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you didn't know this, but some of those people in that plane used to sing that song when they were children. They've walked away from me, and you reminded them of who I am. That's called obedience. That's called people. But listen, don't, thank, you for, thank you for the encouragement, because honestly, I need it on that particular scenario. But, but what's my point? My point is this. I had to break a box that night. There was an alabaster box on the plane to DC. I couldn't hide behind introversion. I couldn't hide behind INFJPC, whatever personality test. I could not hide because the person living in with, the, the person talking to me lives in me. And guys, we can't hide from Austin. We can't. We have to invade this city. But I want to break the fear of man off you right now. The fear of human opinion, the fear of not stopping, and you could just start somewhere. You could just start with your unsafe sister and go, Jesus, every day now, I put her name on the bathroom mirror with a Sharpie pen, and every day I'm going to pray until you get her, God. I'm not letting go until you see her saved. And if we all did this, then the move of God we're crying out for would actually be birthed. And I believe when we do that stadium event, I'm not, not hundreds, thousands of Gabriels will be saved. Thousands of people like him.
But hey, but hey, hey, let, let's not wait for a stadium event. Let's not wait. Let's break this rubbish fear of man off us now. Why don't you stand? Thank you, great King Jesus. I know it's a strong message. Again, I'm telling you the landscape of my life. I'm not putting condemnation on anybody here. In fact, I believe the Lord will infuse you with conviction, with love for people you don't know how to love. Don't trust your love. Trust His love in you. But I want you to be very real. I want you to close your eyes for a second right now. I want you to be so real with the Holy Spirit. Even if you're a minister here, I want you to be real with God. I'm going to call out two types of people. If you had a love for those who don't know Jesus before, and it's died down in the wind. Maybe busyness took over it. I don't know. Maybe just faithfulness took over it. But if you used to have a love for people, and now your eyes feel a little bit shut to the world, you don't really want to stop people. You don't find that in your prayer life you're contending for others. Keep everyone's eyes closed, please. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up. Yep, no shame. Oh, good. I put my hand up too because I'm asking God for more. And the second group of people, if you know you're still living with the resident fear of man, where the human opinions of 10 seconds from someone's thoughts about you are controlling whether you obey God or your wildness or your alabaster box offering is being controlled by the fear of man. The fear of human opinion. Place your hand up. Just be honest. Because God loves you. All right, I want us, every person that placed their hand up, not slowly, as fast as you can, I want you to run to the front. As fast as you can, all of you. Everyone that put their hand up. And if we could get maybe some musicians back up here, it'd be amazing. Because we're going to ask Jesus together as a family. Because imagine if he had a family in Austin or families of churches that are like this. Their arms are wide open to more babies. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because that's what God's going to give to all of us. That a church in Austin could actually shake the spiritual future of this country and of this city. Personally, I'm going to stop praying for Elon Musk. Because he lives here. He lives in Austin. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for his salvation. There's a lot of people, okay? I want us just to call out to the Lord, but let's be honest with God. I think most of the people who are standing, there's, there's only a few standing. Most of us feel like this call from the Lord. So we're going to ask you, Holy Spirit, because in our own strength, we can give ourselves nothing. Only you can circumcise our heart. Only you can remove every veil of heaviness, maybe a veil of embarrassment, maybe a lie that got into our mind that we look stupid when we share Jesus, or just even general hopelessness and fear of people's opinion. Holy Spirit, we're going to ask you to do something in us that only you can do. But would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me enough to save me. You've been talking to me about others who you love. Today, Jesus, I repent if I've shut down your voice or your heart out of a place of fear. And I would like you today, 
by the Holy Spirit to give back to me a love for people you love. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray the boldness you've given me and more, you would pour that boldness over people right now. I ask you, Father, by the power of the Spirit of the Lord, pour boldness over them. We command every spirit of the fear of man to get out of the church now. We command it to get out of the mindsets of people. I command it to leave. And Father, would you ignite the hearts of people? Ignite the hearts of people. Allow the Spirit of the Lord just to come out of you and pray through you. Some of you just can cry out to God. I see unsaved brothers and sisters. I can even hear their names right now. One of you has an unsaved brother called Emmanuel or Manny or something. There's unsaved people in your lives. There's a Sarah who's in your family, a Sarah that needs to be saved. Just cry out to the Lord and say, God, give me your heart. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Lord, remove that veil, remove that false fear. I command that spirit of the fear of man, get out now, get out of his life now. I command you to leave in the authority of Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give her the love. Give her the love for people. Give her the love for people. Terry, you can start praying. Pray for people. Give them the love. Just ask the Father for it. He longs to give it to you. He longs to place inside your heart a deep love for people. Thank you, my King. Praise you, my King. Praise you, my King. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I ask you. Thank you, Jesus. Let that love seep deep into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I command every spirit of fear, the fear of man, be broken off their life. Be broken off his life right now. Pray for him. Just pray for him. More Jesus. More freedom. God, I ask you that you would take away that fear feeling of busyness that's crept in. That busyness that's crept in out of the passions. I ask you to infuse him with passion. Fill him with passion. Fill him with fire. Just let him be Fill him with fire. More. Fill him with passion. More. Let the Spirit of the Lord, some of you are really getting rocked here, out here in the crowd. The Spirit of God is all over you. Some of you are really weeping. You sense the spirit of fear leaving your life. Just let whatever happens in this room happen right now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. More Jesus. You can cry out to the Lord. You can just be as free as you want in this moment. Don't miss this moment between you and God. Just be as free as you want in the Lord. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit's going to bring people to your mind, unsaved family, friends, unsaved people in your world. I sense there's people you work with. He's going to bring them to your mind. As he does, just begin to pray for their salvation. Just begin to pray for them.
Yes, that's right. Just pray. Just ask Jesus for that person's soul. Ask him for your unsaved sister, your unsaved brother. More, Lord Jesus, save this city of Austin, God. Save the city of Austin, God. Save the city of Austin, King Jesus. Save the city of Austin, Lord. And use us, God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Yes, Jesus, every unsaved person, as the Lord brings one to you, just bind them to the cross. Bind your best friend to the cross of Calvary. Say, Jesus, get him. Get him, God. Save them, Lord. To be quite honest, the church, not here, but the church in the West, their prayer life is rarely directed toward the unsaved. So you might even need to just ask the Spirit of God to enlighten your heart more and more, to burn inside your heart, to pray to pray because these prayers are alabaster box prayers. They're not for us to have a great house. This is for people to come into his house. Jesus, give him this love. Give it to him. Give it to him, God. Give him the love you've given me. Give him more. Give him even more. Just take it. Take it, friend. Take it, friend. We break all the fear of man. Get out of his life now. Get off his world now forever. Get out of his life now. Give him that love for souls. Use him. Use him mightily. Use him mightily. Use him mightily. Yes, Lord. Father, give us a love for the unsaved. God, it's clear to me that at times we push them out of our mind. Give us a love for Austin, God. Do you want that? Ask him for it. Give me a love for Austin, God. Come on, guys, let's pray. I feel something is happening here. Something is being birthed in you. Let the Lord rip that circumcision off your hearts. to pray not because of the music I want you to pray until the box is broken do you understand do you understand if I said to you let's pray right now for finances you'd be praying in tongues if you're asking God to actually grant you a heart for people it's got to be taken seriously he loves to give it to you but it's a step beyond convenience you don't have to force it but you'd have to remove this thing out of you that says I'll wait for somebody else to pray I'll Ask the Lord to come and speak through you right now. Ask God to grip you. Let's pray for this city. If you truly love this city, let's pray.
Lord, save Austin. Come on, keep praying. We've been praying for about 13 minutes. It feels like three hours. 13 minutes. Come on, we're just breaking the box open now. Save Austin, Jesus. Keep praying, keep praying. Save Austin, Jesus. We break the box open of our personality, of our tiredness. We're not too tired for Instagram. God, we pray, save our friends. Save our friends.
Supernaturally draw people, Lord. Supernaturally draw people, Lord. Supernaturally, Father, we ask you to draw them to the new church. Draw them to the new church building. They won't even know why they're there. Draw them, God. Draw them supernaturally. Father, put the dragnet, put the dragnet. Now let's pray together in the spirit for churches of Austin, that every church in Austin would wake up. And in San Marcos, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's ask the Father to bring an awakening to every church in Austin, San Marcos. Righteousness on the city, that delusion would lift off of minds, and the reality of Christ would be made known to those who do not know, and those who are tormented in the homosexual community, that those are that's a lie, God, and they would come off their minds now, that you would lead them truth, that they're loved, that they're loved by God, and you release salvation and bring them now, God. God, we thank you tonight for Austin, God. We thank you for salvation, God. We thank you for the breaking in, God. We thank you for the spirit of revival pouring into homes, oh God. We thank you for restoration in families, oh God. We just thank you, Lord, for those who have struggled, oh God, with just sin and pornography and lust, oh God, that it's broken. It's broken in this city, oh God. We thank you for just the movement of holiness, oh God. God, we thank you, Jesus. We declare in high schools. We declare it in our middle schools, in elementary schools, God, in our workplaces, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.